So if you've got a Bible, uh, you might want to start turning to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going through a series on the Gospel of Matthew, and we'll be reading verses, uh, Matthew 28, verses 1 to 16. Matthew 28, verses 1 to 16. We're actually going almost to the end of Matthew, but we'll come back and catch up in the weeks ahead. Greetings, everybody. Happy Easter. Great to see lots of visitors and this place um, full, as it were. Um, so it's great to see you all. Um, I'm one of the elders. I'm Raj. I'm one of the elders here at Jubilee Church. So in case you're wondering, Easter is a really big day for us. Yeah. And it's a big day not just because of chocolate or daffodils or Easter egg hunts or chocolate or rabbits grilled or braised, however you like them, or holidays or more chocolate but primarily because Christians, as Simon said earlier, because Christians across the globe that believe that Jesus, a human being, the God-man himself, rose from the dead to forever and ever and ever life. Boom. Boom. Now, for some of you here this morning, that might be a real showstopper, um, particularly if you're uh, in my kids' generation, yeah. How could that be possible, Raj? How could that be? How could that be? How could that happen? Nope, no way. I like the songs, but can we fast forward, please, to the end now? And actually, that would have been my reaction some 23 years ago before I became a Christian. I sympathize with those, um, those, those questions, as it were. But there was also a problem that I noticed. Those with those very, very questions. How is it possible? How could it be? Those were not really, when I asked them, inquisitive questions. And actually, those questions stopped me in, there, in my tracks. They were an excuse, if you like, uh, to not give serious consideration to this amazing event in all of history. There were there were a door, if you like, these questions that was securely locked from the inside by me. Now, I want to encourage you, just for the next 20 minutes or so, can I encourage you, if that's you, because that was me not too long, not, you know, a few years ago, if that's you, can I, be, can I encourage you to be open, to be thoughtful, and to be critical, not closed, not shut off. Then you can have more chocolate later. So, with that big intro, let's read Matthew 28, 1 to 16. It'll be up on the screen. <clears throat> After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. They encountered an angel. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not there. He has risen, just as he said he would. Come and see the place where he did lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, his followers, He has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. So the women excitedly hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, 
and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said in a very British way, greetings. He said, they came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid because angels weren't like the ones that you see in card shops. These were angels. You'd be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, fellas, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and it will keep you out of trouble. You won't get your heads chopped off. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. So this was, I love that bit at the end. I don't always read that bit, but I love that in the um, uh, bit at the end because this was the conspiracy theory of the day. It was a big, big conspiracy. Who likes conspiracy theories? No one. I loved the film JFK, and I'm still trying to get my kids to watch it with me. And the theory of this one miraculous magic bullet causing six wounds, uh, doing cartwheels, zigzagging to the left and the right all over the place, causing bodily havoc and eventually landing on a stretcher hardly dented. So who really shot JFK? It's a conspiracy. What about the moon landings of 1969? I was only minus two then. <laughs> was it all staged in a film studio somewhere in America? Those photos were very, very dodgy with shadows all over the place. And backgrounds, if you look on the left bottom one, earlier left bottom one, with backgrounds that were taken at completely different places, miles apart, but identical backgrounds and slightly unusual foregrounds, something shifty. Conspiracy! Was COVID just a figment of our imagination? Don't think so. Who really killed Diana? Who shot JR? Did Liverpool really, really win the um, premiership last year? Conspiracy! all of which were ultimately proven not to be hoaxes at all. I'm not sure about the Liverpool one, but definitely all the others. What we have read, friends, is the mother of all conspiracies. It continues today. And so this morning, I would like to take you, if you like, on a bit of a thoughtful journey, hopefully fairly quickly, looking at the facts but also seeing that Jesus is much, much more than just facts. Knowing here, is knowing here is important, but knowing here changes your life. Yeah. Jesus claims with his life to be your savior. That's a big claim. One who loves you. The one who sacrifices his life for you, as we've sang this morning. The one who yearns to see you thrive. And be somebody, the somebody he created you to be. 
The one who gives you, as Simon said, resurrection power. Why would you not want that if you don't trust in Jesus already? So let's kick off, shall we? Three things, quick, quick, quick. Who is Jesus? That's the first thing. Did he rise from the dead? And so what? Firstly, who is Jesus? This is the first important question. When you look at closely, when you look closely at what Christians believe, rather than a heavenly rule book or a list of do-its that separate the naughty people from the nice people, Christianity is much bigger than that. It's primarily a relationship and a friendship with God himself. That should blow your mind. Jesus Christ, through thick and thin, highs and lows, whoever you are, whatever your background. And for me, that was 23 years ago, was very puzzling because when you first look at Jesus, he wasn't particularly eye-catching. Born in the back of beyond town in Palestine to a poor teenage, unmarried and in her culture, dishonored mum, a man who never traveled more than 100 miles from his home, never held a political office, never wrote a book, never won Israel's Got Talent, a man who eventually was executed as a shameful, shameful criminal. Yet somehow, this man, Jesus, is the Christ of Christianity. A historical figure who easily ranks today's number one most influential person ever to have walked the earth, setting in motion the greatest ever movement on planet earth. That is an uncontroversial statement. You can Google them. Isn't that puzzling? I thought it was. And if you're a thoughtful person here today, wouldn't you want to know why? I did. Why was he so amazing? Well, his teaching was amazing. All around the world, Jesus' wise sayings have changed the face of history, science, politics, justice, and morality. From Martin Luther King's, from Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream to Bishop Desmond Tutu's Fight Against Apartheid, from Mother Teresa's Care for the Poor in Calcutta Slums to Florence Nightingale's Hospitals, from J.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings to Michael Faraday's Electromagnetism. Jesus empowered and inspired all of those people. As he, as he has done for many, many years with lots of others. He was an amazing teacher. His fingerprints, if you like, are all over, everywhere, if you look seriously. But also his character was amazing. Throughout the Bible, we see that Jesus was unlike anybody else ever. Jesus never sinned. That's what the Bible says. For three years of his life, he had religious Jewish leaders, Roman officials, and lots of skeptical onlookers trying to trip him up time and time again in every way. No one ever did. It wasn't, none of that is recorded. Everyone was flabbergasted by his love and integrity and kindness and compassion and wisdom. Jesus never dishonored, never disregarded, never disobeyed God's will. Can you say that about anyone you have ever met? I don't think so. His miracles were also amazing. 
showing his vision for a changed, beautiful, restored humanity. Miraculous healing was central to Jesus' ministry on the earth. An Oxford professor, Professor Graham Twelfthree, writes, however reluctantly, the vast majority of students of the historical Jesus confirm that Jesus performed mighty works. The single most time-consuming aspect of Jesus' public mission was the performing of miracles. Any critical reconstruction of the historical Jesus must not only include, but also indeed emphasize, underline that he was the most powerful and prolific miracle worker. And he was unique in doing so. Fact. And actually, he could bring healing today to some of you, if you ask him. But probably the most amazing thing about Jesus was, and probably his most con controversial claim, actually, Jesus, fully human being, claimed that he was divine. He was God. He said it time and time again. He upset so many people by telling them this truth. And if someone came to me saying what Jesus said, I would basically have three options if someone said that to me. Firstly, he'd be, I would think he's a nutter. Good option. He's a fraudulent, evil, horrible man. That's another possible option. Or he's the God he says he is. We've all got to make that decision, actually. Three options. Now, let me ask you, did Jesus really look like a nutter. Did Jesus, did Je is that why he's the most influential person that ever walked to the earth? One author put it like this, no one has ever discovered the words Jesus ought to have said or the deed he ought to have done. Nothing he does falls short. In fact, he is always surprising you, always taking your breath away because he's better than you can imagine. What do you think about Jesus? Is he amazing to you? Secondly, Jesus' resurrection, did it actually really happen? As a young man training to be a GP uh, quite a number of years ago, I couldn't contemplate the supernatural. But I also had two undeniable, historically proven facts that I had to get around. Firstly, Jesus definitely died on a cross. That is, you know, that is fact. And secondly, three days later, Jesus was seen by hundreds and hundreds of people, alive again, eating with them, etc. Anyone who's looked into this with any intellectual integrity wouldn't, couldn't disagree with these two historical facts. Jesus died and Jesus reappeared. How come? How come? And so I had to grapple this through in my early 20s. And some of these things helped me. I hope they help you. Firstly, I thought the Bible accounts of the resurrection were just made-up stories, fairy tales, written, with, um, written many, many years after the event, changed and doctored to suit people in power. Or even like legends like Hercules or something. But historically... That just, just doesn't, um, that doesn't hold true. Historians agree, hands down, that these ancient documents, the Gospels, Paul's letters, 
A lot of the New Testament, actually, were written only 20 to 70 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And actually, that's very, very important information. You see, these were public documents read out to all in the early church, some of whom will have been um, non-believers, maybe a bit like this morning in this congregation. And get this, because of the time frame of just 20 to 70 years, not hundreds and hundreds of years, these writings were written while the witnesses were still alive. They were sat in the congregations, as it were. And if these writers were telling lies, the witnesses would have stood up and said, hey, that's rubbish, I was there. They would have grasped them up. Resurrection stories wouldn't have taken off if they weren't true, but they did. Why? The most likely conclusion is that they saw Jesus alive. This is what the Apostle Paul writes to a church in 53 AD, just 20 years after Jesus' resurrection. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter the disciple, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and actually then to Paul himself. Wow, that's historical writing. But just imagine they did manage to fake the whole thing. Just imagine. You know what? They did a pretty rubbish job a really rubbish job. Notice that we've just read that the first people to see Jesus, Jesus alive were women. Women. In Jesus' time, women weren't even trusted to give evidence in a court of law, in their culture. People didn't believe them. The gospel writers would never in a million years have made the first witnesses women unless it was true. Also, the gospel accounts of Jesus' disciples, the next generation of esteemed, powerful, strong church leaders, when you read the Bible, page after page, they're described as a bunch of terrified, skeptical, and to put it frankly, jerks. It's true. Peter denied Jesus in his hour of need. The disciples fell asleep when Jesus needed them most. Thomas doubted. There were power struggles, silly power struggles between them. Judas betrayed Jesus, and on and on and on and on it goes. Recording these facts, if you like, is not good for your fraudulent campaign, is it? But this is how it happened. They couldn't take this stuff out despite all the pressure that there would have been for them to do so. And think about this. Who would have made up God going to the cross and dying as a criminal, come on. That's not going to get you many likes unless it really happened. Unless people really did see Jesus die and Jesus alive three days later. We can trust, friends, the Bible accounts of Jesus' resurrection. That was a few reasons. There are many, honestly, many, many more. Secondly, some would say Jesus never really died at all. Have you seen the crucifixion on TV? As a doctor, I've seen lots of dead people. Uh, the Mel Gibson film, The Passion of Christ, would have been a very accurate portrayal of the beating and execution that Jesus endured. 
We read it in other gospel accounts that a professional executioner, this is what he did for his living, stated that he was in fact dead. But to make sure, he shoved a spear into Jesus' heart. Boom. Listen, if Jesus survived the flogging, the terrible flogging, the crucifixion, the spear into his heart, and the almost mummification burial system for three days, it would have been a miracle bigger than the resurrection itself. Which miracle do you want to believe? And remember, virtually all the apostles died for this, as the Christian mathematician uh, and, and theologian Blaise Pascal put it, I believe those witnesses who get their throats cut. And overnight, surprisingly, a whole new Christian worldview and belief sprang up immediately after Jesus' resurrection. Normally, it takes centuries for movements to get, to get up and going. The church was born suddenly. History tells us that. History normally doesn't work out so fast. The resurrection, however, changed history. Today, there are 37 million churches all around the world with 50,000 new ones added every year. We don't hear that in this country. Two to three billion Christians, and all because of a hoax. You can believe that if you like. Who is, Jesus, who is the real Jesus? An amazing God-man showing us what God is really like. And did he really rise from the dead? People with intellectual credibility would say, would say, if they've looked at the evidence, an emphatic yes. Finally, finally. So what? Who cares? How does Jesus' resurrection make any difference to you or to me? The Apostle Paul writes it this way in Philippians 3. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. What power? Let's end with this quickly, shall we? You see, we live, and we all know this, we live in a fallen world, a messed up world. It doesn't take long to get that to, to that conclusion, does it? If you turn on the TV. Yes, there's beauty, but there's also badness. And according to the Christian faith, our biggest problem isn't primarily rising inflation or oil prices. It isn't COVID. It isn't crime. It isn't wars. It isn't dictators or deceitful prime ministers. It isn't political, poor political strategy. It isn't the environment. It isn't even our upbringing. It isn't the educational system. We've invested billions into all that stuff, millions, billions into all that stuff over the centuries. In some cases, Rightly, some cases not so rightly, but still we are in the same place, if not worse. We are not simply the helpless victims of psychological drives and social systems either. That's a cop-out. Philosophers are starting to talk this way now. They realize that these things are an excuse. The Bible shockingly and very profoundly says sin of the, the sin of the human heart is the root of all our fallenness. Disobeying, disregarding, dishonoring God. Not putting his will first. Going way back to the story of Adam and Eve wanting to do it their way. 
rather than God's way. And the more you think about that, it becomes a more tangible and intelligent explanation of the world around us. Jesus said, it's what comes out of a person that pollutes obscenities, lusts, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, depravity, deceptive dealings, mean looks, slander, arrogance, (gasps) foolishness. All of these are vomit from the heart, a heart that is in rebellion towards God. As nice as this holiday season is, friends, that's the truth Easter brings to our attention. And I know we don't like it. Frankly, I'd rather eat chocolate. I'd rather blame someone else. But the good news, the joy news of Jesus is this. Someone else did take the blame. Easter is all about God's love, his undeserved welcoming, inviting grace. The very thing that separated us from him, my sin, your sin, he destroys on the cross by taking it all into himself. Jesus shows us undeserved forgiveness for all the terrible things we have said, thought, done, wanted to do. All I have to do is trust him. Jesus shows us his mercy in the midst of our shame. He takes my place on the cross as I walk free. Spotless, righteous, scandalous. The greatest exchange ever. You see, the cross had to happen for me and for you. God can't shove injustice and the consequences of our sin under some cosmic carpet somewhere and pretend it never happened like a dodgy, corrupt judge. He can't do that. He is just and righteous. He's just not like us. If he was, he wouldn't be worth worshipping. Instead, bomb after bomb came crashing down on the Son of God, Jesus, that Good Friday, as he hung there in agony, forsaken, alone, taking hell into his very soul. Your hell, my hell. God's rescue mission is to defeat sin, and hear this, defeat sin, without defeating me, to break, to break a broken friendship, to restore that broken friendship. And on Easter Sunday, this, is, this true friend rose again, and it is proof and celebration for the reality of his life and death and resurrection power in our lives. Jesus transforms my life, your life right now. And it only gets better when this life comes to an end. His resurrection is the first fruit that promises you and me forever life, forever life with God. No sickness, no pain, no suffering, no death. If we choose to say yes to him, he doesn't force his way in. You can't force a friendship. His resurrection gives you hope in the midst of trial and uncertainty right now. His resurrection changes death from an executioner to just a gardener, a seed that is planted to grow again even better than ever before.
Friends, this is not a conspiracy, but a certainty, a certainty, a hope that we need. Love, freedom, hope, and victory. He is better than you could ever imagine. The question you've got to ask is, are you closer to believing in him? We're going to sing a song. And I, but I do believe that there are people here who are, the cogs are turning like I did. I was sat in a, in a building like this in York, and I was sat just around there near the back on the left. And I remember hearing someone just talking this through to me. And with floods of tears down my eyes, I said yes quietly to God. And I feel there's people here to, this morning who maybe, maybe just thinking, could this be true? And if it is, what next? So we're going to sing a song, and then I'm going to offer you a chance to respond. Nothing weird. Totally okay. Well, let's sing first.